This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, except they're far better for you. Just one bar has between 130 and 180 calories, 19 grams of protein, and between 3 and 7 grams of sugar. And you can capitalize on this by using our code BIGSHOTS, all one word, for your next Built Bar purchase to get 10% off. Built Bar, join the team. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Carnation, joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, and one of my best friends, Devin the Verified Jackson. I, I interview, I introduced him, sorry, god damn, you can tell I need more coffee. I introduced him that way because, well, given that last night was the Super Bowl and a division rival of his won the Super Bowl, I figured he could use a bit of a cheering up. Devin, how are you today, man? I'm actually not bad. I'm not too mad about the Bucks winning, really. Um, it, if it was like, I mean, the only team that I really would despise winning, because I, I cheer for Carolina even when they were in the Super Bowl against the Broncos, but I, I just can, I couldn't stand the Falcons potentially winning the Super Bowl. That's that's the one team I just cannot deal with because I fall way too many Falcons fans. I know it's way too many Falcons fans. And uh, funny enough, uh, while we're on the subject, uh, there is this website called Blogging Dirty that advocated, did a whole article advocating for the Saints to uh, dissolve and sell the team. So I, I thought that was an interesting tidbit to start up, to start off the day. Wow, just like, we go like, right right to dissolve the team because they didn't win a Super Bowl. How did Atlanta well, do this year? No, nah, they were they were trying to say because of the Alvin Kamara situation, then oh, fuck not off. following COVID protocol. The Didn't Atlanta get in trouble for gate. not following COVID protocols at one point? I don't know. But anyway, they were, they were saying that. They were like, oh, clearly Sean Payton doesn't care about the NFL rules, da-da-da. It was, it was just a whole bunch of nonsense and homerism. I thought it was hilarious. So I sent the couple guys that are also Saints fans, and they thought it was a joke. Like, you, no one's gonna take you serious when you're you're trying to dissolve a team because of a f- few incidents. Like we don't have teams that have incidents all over the place. Like the Seahawks could be dissolved, couldn't they? <laughs> I mean, they took Frank Clark. I mean, Chad Wheeler just now. Like no one's saying anything about that. So it's just a joke to me that someone would even take the time and probably spent hours researching and writing that only to get minimal engagement so i thought that was a a nice tidbit so you know falcons fans y'all sad but let's go ahead so i i just want to say this i mean i saw first of all social media after any super bowl is just unbearable unbearable because you have your different clicks you have those that only watch the game for the halftime show and like to tell you that they only watch the game for the halftime show, which I can tell you, I don't care at all if that's why you watch the game. You do you. I don't need to, I don't need to hear it. I don't, I frankly, part of my language, don't give a shit. <laughs> um, you have those that clearly didn't watch any game leading up to the Super Bowl. And then you have the people on both sides bitching about, you know, the refs each way. And I will say this. You and I talked about this before we went on air. There were some questionable calls. 
we'll, 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 let's get that out of the way. There were some definite questionable calls. Kansas City was going to get flagged a lot because they are a very grabby team, but Tampa was almost as grabby and still didn't get those same calls. It didn't make any sense. But yeah. I, I, I also, first off, my big takeaway from this game, holy shit, the Chiefs have absolutely no offensive line depth. Yes, Eric Fisher was out for the game, um, which meant that Mike Remmers, who is their right tackle, and I don't even think he's normally their starting right tackle. He had to be kicked Isn't, over isn't the, it Mitchell Schwartz? Yeah, Schwartz Mitchell and... Schwartz, that's right. So Schwartz was out, Fisher was out, Remmers has to go from being a backup right tackle to being starting left tackle. Your right guard has to move to right tackle so that you can fit in Stefan Wisniewski. I should have known that that wasn't going to end all that well, because you and I both picked the Chiefs, and we thought if this was going to get we, ugly. We glazed over the fact that they were missing two offensive lines. Yeah. So I, I will take full responsibility Same. for that. And you know what? The the Bucks defense played out of their damn minds. Down Todd the Bowles the needs to be a head coach. Why did he get fired from the Jets, man? They fired him to bring in Adam Gase. We love the Jets. Oh, anyway. J-E-T-S, sad, sad, sad. Listen, I'm I'm sick because, first of all, the Bucks have a number of defensive players that I absolutely loved in the draft process, even when I wasn't even scouting Devin White, Antoine Winfield. I mean, those two guys played MVP ball last night. And then the defensive line uh, just was nasty. Shaquille Baird was just eating them for taking their lunch money, man. It, it was ugly. He's about to get paid. Deservedly so. Uh, you know who else got, is about to get paid? One of my favorite sleeper calls ever, Chris Godwin. Yeah, he needs to get the get the money. Like he should. He probably is going to make twenty million a year, probably. I. Yeah, he he he's he struggled think, in the playoffs. He he did struggle in the playoffs. He also had a what broken finger, didn't he? He did. He struggled in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he played like a like a top ten wideout. And he's I, I would say his floor is fifteen. It might be more than that. It has to be higher than Juju Smith Schuster's. Uh, probably total. So I think 16, 17 million is his floor at the minimum because that's what Juju is going to be demanding in free agency. So, you know, Godwin is, is a, a better receiver. So I, I would argue 17, 18 million, probably the lowest he would take, but the team is going to overpay for him and it's going to, it's going to pay off well as long as they use it correctly. Don't, don't try to, you know, make him a deep threat or or just limit his ability. Now, if you if you use his skill set correctly, he's he's gonna be one of those guys that just not necessarily top five, but he's always in discussion as one of the better receivers in in the game. We, you know, you mentioned it like the the number of, uh, of guys that you like. You know, and I, I put out a thread about this. Listen, I'm at the point where I'm indifferent to, to Tom Brady. I frankly just don't care. Um. Well, the thing is, the thing is, I want to stress though, mm-hmm. like he is, he's undisputed goat for sure, but we got to stop acting like he was the only person playing on that field last night, man. I, I just, I, the takes that I've seen, like he is clearly the greatest quarterback of all time, but at the same time, we got to appreciate the defense more mm-hmm. because that defense bailed him out of multiple games this year, multiple. 
For sure, for sure. And keep in mind, like, and I said this throughout the year, Tampa was the hardest team to predict on a week-to-week basis because they were maddeningly inconsistent until about week 14. You know, they got stomped by the same Chiefs team. And yeah, like, after, yeah, they're going to be a very game. fun first ra- first round exit. And that was the last time they lost a game. They flipped the switch. Yeah, something flipped the switch with these guys, and it was like, oh, we need to actually get our shit together. But, you know, say what you want about Brady. Quite frankly, I'm not listening either way. But when you look at the rest of that team, I broke it down, and it was like, these are all some of my favorite players in the NFL. You know, Mike Evans is the highest graded wide receiver I've ever graded. And he was in my first year of evaluating talent. Like, that's how good Mike Evans has been. And I honestly don't know if 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 any of the receivers from this year are going to top him. So it's probably still going to be that way. You can make the argument that he's a top five. Well, I don't even think it's an argument that he's a top five receiver. I think he is. Chris Godwin, top ten wide receiver. Antoine Winfield was both of our, was our guy last year. We were on him early. Sean Bunting from 2019 draft, same thing, was one of my guys. You know, uh, Levante David had never made the playoffs before this year. Devin White, second highest linebacker I've ever graded. Uh, Ali Marpet. Started the whole D3 Senior Bowl, you know, offensive lineman trend that now we see pretty much every year. That was him that started all of that. Gronk. Listen, I know some people love Gronk. I know some people hate Gronk. I am in the, in the former. I absolutely love Gronk. The fact that my brother hates Gronk is part of the reason I love Gronk that much more. <clears throat> yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to Gronk, but yeah, I mean... The thing that's why it wasn't hard for me to root for the Bucks because they got a bunch of former LSU players on the team. They got Mike Evans, who I know Saints fans don't really care for him, generally speaking, but I think he's still a phenomenal receiver in the NFL. Uh, Chris Godwin, I mean, I'd only been here in State College, but people here love Chris Godwin, and you know the Penn State always shows love to their former players, but Chris Godwin, I feel like, gets a special little more extra uh love than than a lot of the Penn State players currently in, in in the NFL now. So they they got a they had a bunch of players that I liked. Leonard Fournette, of course. Uh what a story for him. People thought he was done, but he played he phenomenally played last so night. Well. He looked like the LSU Leonard Fournette last he night. He did. So I'm I'm glad that he kind of returned to form. Um and you know looking at the Chiefs side man, I mean he, despite the the loss, I mean, god damn, Patrick Mahomes is clearly still the best quarterback in the NFL. I saw so many uninformed folks talking about how he played so poorly. Okay, first of all, his offensive line was basically, um, actually, god, they, keep in mind, no Eric Fisher, so no left tackle. No Mitchell Schwartz, no right tackle. No Laurent Duvenet-Tardif, no left guard. There's three starters right away. <laughs> you have a right guard playing right tackle. It fucked his entire offensive lineup. And then not to mention, holy shit, how many drops did Kansas City have yesterday? So many. Tyreek yeah. dropped a few. Demarcus Robinson dropped a gimme in the end zone. 
Reason why Demarcus Robinson dropped a gimme in the end zone? Oh, yeah. This is my favorite part. Went up with one fucking hand. Yeah, it it frustrated me because there were multiple people in the draft community trying to advocate that this was one of the worst performances of all time. I saw one tweet in particular. I almost went off on that tweet because it's like, there is no context there. You looked at numbers. You said, oh, he didn't play like his ridiculous level. I mean, you got multiple offensive line starters out. The, the receivers aren't catching the ball. I mean, what do you want him to do? Like, they're trying to equate his performance to Peyton Manning's performance against the Seahawks. It's not even comparable. No. Dude, dude was running for his life the entire game. Every made- single play. My mom was sitting there going, like, is he ever going to get anyone to fucking block for him? That's why you invest in offensive lines, man. That's why you cannot afford to like you gotta have a, a solid front line holding it together. You you can have a solid offensive line, but at the same time you gotta have depth. I mean, the Bucks showed that more than anybody. I mean, they what they were missing one of their offensive linemen, and it was fine because they had studs across the line. I mean, Donovan Smith is still a little questionable to me, but he he had a solid game, but. I mean, Tristan Worse to build around, uh, OT1, you know, still to this day, still OT1. Um, I mean, it just shows you the Chiefs are not, <laughs> they're not unbeatable. But I mean, at the same time, they're missing three starters. So we, we never, we'll never know how the game really, really would have went, you know, if, if they had full healthiness, but you can only play the team that's in front of you. So you gotta give the Bucks credit for, not only taking advantage of that, but mixing up the coverages, mixing up the blitzes. You know, Todd Bowles was really only getting to them with four rushing four down linemen. And he's known for blitzing and he did a good job of mixing the coverages and disguising and, and he at times he did bring uh corner blitzes, linebacker blitz. He did he did the whole damn thing, man. He pulled the full playbook and it is very hard to discredit anything he did last night. Not only that, and you and I ragged on him for a good two weeks. Carlton Davis had a great game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I, I'll say he had a great game. It's also a little bit easier when your front four is is doing what they did. Yeah, a little bit easier. Yeah. Uh, geez. and double team and having a double team on Tyreek Hill all night. You know. There were so many just instances watching that that uh, that game where just I if Mahomes had anything around him it seemed if his receivers could catch a damn football or just stay standing I don't know how many instances there were of guys just falling down while running yeah. routes it it was bad Kelsey. Kelsey did it. Uh, Hardman did it on think, a short flat route. I think I Hill mean, did it a couple of times. Tyreek Hill was shut down the entire game. Loved the pettiness, by the way, of uh, Antoine Winfield. Uh, remember when when the two face when these two teams faced in the regular season. Uh, Tyreek Hill put up the deuces and Flip. did a backflip in front of it, which uh, I don't like Tyreek Hill as a person. Tyreek Hill as a person, 
So I don't root for, here's the thing. I like Pat Mahomes. I hate some of the players on the Chiefs. I actually hate so many players on the Chiefs. I, I don't like Frank Clark. I don't like, uh, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't like Tyreek Hill. I, oh, there are so many instances of guys on the Chiefs where I just can't stand them. Um, so to, to see Tyreek Hill finally get, get his, which is, get his comeuppance for lack of a better term. I mean, they got the interception and Antoine Winfield, goes right up in his face and gives him the deuces when they're up 22 points. Like I said, that's a legendary moment. I hope that picture is on every I newspaper want that in framed. Tampa. I want that framed. Um, man. He will be the only player I would get a jersey from from the Tampa Bay Bucks. to be Dude, honest. Dude, there are so many. Uh, basically, unless your name is Brady or Antonio Brown, I don't want a Bucks jersey. Give me yeah, an Ali Marpet jersey. Give me a Tristan Wirfs jersey. Give me an Antoine Winfield jersey. Give me a Mike Evans jersey. It doesn't matter. I I take listen. I I might have to start getting jerseys of my guys that go to the NFL, man. For I, real. Because here's the thing. So like, you have a lot of Saints jerseys. Last I checked, right? Yeah. See, my Eagles jerseys are cursed. <laughs> Well, my Saints jersey is a curse. Every time I wear one in the playoffs, it's just nothing good happens. So. Okay, but Devin, I have a, a, a <laughs> I have a black Donovan McNabb, and that's probably the best Eagles jersey I have. Oh, also, shout out to T.O. for throwing shade to Donovan McNabb. <laughs> for no reason! <laughs> He's like... He says something to Freddie Mitchell talking about Donovan McNabb Why drinking before the game. Why is anyone talking to Freddie Mitchell in the year of our Lord 2021? Hey, it... Freddie Mitchell. 2021, man. Uh, good old Fred X. He doesn't deliver on Sundays. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Uh, but, yeah, my, my Eagles jersey. I got the McNabb jersey. I have a Sean Jackson jersey. He's washed. <laughs> He's very much washed. And then I have a, 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 a Wentz. Uh, uh, just not going to, yeah. What was that last one, man? Uh, um, the the guy that looks like if uh, Prince Harry and myself had a love child. The soon uh, the soon Chicago Bear. The soon to be Chicago Bear traded for Nick Foles. That uh, that's listen the irony of that tweet. If that happened, okay, all right. So so we've all right. So we've broken down the game. We've broken down the game. There's nothing else we need to say. I, you can hear 37 other different podcasts break down the Super Bowl in, in more detail. Listen, Devin and I, we are college football and, and, and draft focused. I, great to see our honestly, honestly, I'm kind of just like, I enjoy college football so much more now. Like, I like the NFL, I like watching them, but college is like a different appreciation now. Cause it's like, these dudes are going to be playing on Sunday. And it's like, I should be, I feel like I should be more invested in the NFL. Because of that, but at the same time, it's like when a game is settled, man, it, you just kind of get disengaged. While college football, you can actually come back. Like somebody could have came back last night if it was thirty-one nine in the fourth quarter. Like oh, yeah. in college, that that would would have been possible, but NFL is it's not happening. I'm sitting here legitimately. Oh, actually, I wanted to look at something, and I might as well look it up now because I'm pretty sure. Hang on. Let's see their upcoming free agent. They got some Tampa's got some tough decisions they gotta make. Chris Godwin's yeah. a free agent. 
So that's never good because you know you're going to have to pay him wide receiver one money to be wide receiver one A. Uh, Shaq Barrett is a free agent. Gronk is a free agent. Levante David is a free agent. And Dominican Sue is a free agent. Leonard Fournette, Antonio Brown. Uh, yeah, you can let guys like LaShawn McCoy go. Um, yeah, Chris Godwin. Yeah, you have to try to find some way to bring back Chris Godwin, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. That's going to be hard. I don't know how much cap they have. I don't think it's a lot, but that's a lot of money at, at the door. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, they got some decisions to make for sure on, on that championship team because... As it stands right now, according to Spot Track, they have cap space. Okay, they have $38 million in cap space. That's actually pretty good. Yeah, they're they're in good position, but they're they're still not going to be able to sign all those dudes. Nope. So they might have to let Gow they might have to let Godwin walk. Um, they're probably going to re-sign Shaq Barrett, but a lot of those other guys, if Shaq's if they don't take a year for sure, he's getting eighteen a year. If they don't, if some of those guys don't take like very small contracts, then it's a good chance they're walking. It's a good chance AB might walk. Uh. If they, Good. if he's Fuck not Antonio Brown, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not touching that subject. But anyway, moving forward, uh, yeah, they Leonard Fournette, we got to see what they're gonna do with him. I mean, I don't know. It, it's a lot of interesting decisions. But they, just, I'm sitting here staring at a pewter Antoine Winfield Jr. jersey. I just want to let you know that. <laughs> just do it. I, I know you're know you're about this close to doing this, so just do it, man. Uh, I'm broke though. I'm broke, so fair. <laughs> uh, man, yeah. There. Here's the thing. I think they need to bring back Levante Day for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I think they're gonna bring back Gronk, which means that Barrett and and um. And Godwin, you just have to choose between one of those two. Yeah. That's a tough call. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. I, I do think that Tampa's got what it takes and, and has the pieces to make sure that this is not just a one-year thing. I think as long as they have Brady, they'll always be in that discussion. I mean, hell, as long as they got that defense, at somewhat, uh, you know, somewhat kind of still together, I mean, it's going to be hard to beat them. And I assume they're going to upgrade, you know, uh, Jason Pierre Paul. He's, he's been great, but I assume they want to get younger on that defensive line. So you got to assume they probably want to add an edge in the NFL draft. I mean, you can pick whatever they want. I mean, hell, they could, they could add, you know, Kadarius Tony or, or somebody like that. You know, Dwayne Eskridge, some ridiculous player. So at, I mean, at this point, it's like, they got a lot of options. You know, they're they're set up for success at least over the next two years. So it's going to be a hard team to beat, man. You know, especially now that they learn how to win, that's even more dangerous because the inconsistencies were because they're used to losing, yeah, used to not being good. And now that they're good and they have a quarterback that knows how to win, plus a coach that's figured it out, he has excellent coordinators who – I'm surprised none of their coordinators got picked off. None of them. 
Like teams I, obviously didn't want to wait that long, but that's I'll a tell lot you, of. I think for 2022, your top three candidates were all coordinators in that game. Yeah, it's got to be B enemy, Leftwich, and Bowles. Yeah, if one of them doesn't get a coaching job next next go around, because we know it's going to be opening openings and jobs, it's going to be real disappointing. So we'll see I'm, what happens. I'm with happy that, for Byron Leftwich too, because he got a, he got a, a a bad shake in his time as offensive coordinator with the Cardinals. Yeah, it, it's funny because like there are there were Bucks fans that were like ready to give up on, on this Leftwich. experiment. Leftwich Brady. You know, it, it was funny just watching that, that that dichotomy. You know, people just Bucks fans, especially like, look, I'm out on this team. I, I can't stand them. I can't I can't stand to establish the run. Da da da. And now those two boys. It chance, worked. So. It worked. All they needed was a defense to to catch up. Yeah. And that's what happened. Um, I had a thought I was gonna get into, and then we kept talking about the game, anyways. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, it was the, oh, it was the Wentz trade I wanted to talk about. All right. So, it it was reported, I wish I could remember who. But that in the coming days we are expecting to see Carson Wentz to the Bears with a return of a first round pick, I believe like a mid-round pick. Tariq Cohen, which I don't understand why the Eagles need Tariq Cohen, but I will take it because he's a talented football player. And Nick Foles. <laughs> there is nobody on the Eagles that I would want a jersey of. I, we were talking about jerseys just a second ago. Uh, I, I would not want any any of their jerseys. It They're just bad, man. They're just bad. I'm in for a rough couple of years, it seems. But just thinking about that, we saw Stafford get traded for a lot. Wentz is on a contract that literally hasn't started yet. It starts in March, and it's already one of the worst in the NFL. What's yeah. your take on this? I mean, for the Eagles, it's smart as hell. Get as much draft capital as you can because, I mean, we don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be answered. Hell, they might be selecting Trey Lance at number six. We don't know what the Eagles are going to do, but it might as well accumulate draft capital. I know you hate, despise the way the Eagles draft, but honestly, if they avoid taking a receiver, I can, I really can't argue with who they decide to go with. You know, because I've seen a lot of mocks that people are still giving them receivers like they don't have other positions to address. Like, for one, maybe get a linebacker that can move in space. <laughs> that could actually. Than Nate Carey? We're going to go down a, a dark path that we're going to be talking about for 20 minutes. But basically, I'll make it brief. Uh, get as much draft capital as you can because Wentz clearly wants out. So get him out of there, you know. I mean, at this point, you can't... Let me just... You've seen that clip of from the Super Bowl probably 700,000 times already of the, the weekend wandering through. Yes. And by the way, that section of the, of the halftime show gave me a fucking headache. 
because of the camera work. I think work. It gave everyone a headache, uh, and he's going to be a meme for the next year or so. Uh, oh, he yeah. definitely, he definitely achieved his goal. <laughs> he got people talking. That. Yeah. Um, that is me trying to justify or find the logic in just how the Eagles have handled this offseason already. Because you fire Howie... Sorry, you don't fire Howie Roseman. I wish you fired Howie Roseman. You fired Doug Peterson because you valued Roseman's voice over Peterson. Signifying that since Roseman's guy is Carson Wentz, that Carson Wentz is staying. You then get a guy, Andy Reid coaching tree, just like Peterson... You know, was you know, you wanted that like Frank Reich archetype. Well, get his offensive coordinator. Okay. Well, Frank Reich worked really well with uh, Carson Wentz. Again, another signifier that Wentz is staying. And then within like three days, it's like, okay, so what can we get for Wentz? What the fuck? If you wanted to to just get rid of Wentz, just keep Peterson. What the hell? I, I still I don't understand. I would say, does Howie Roseman know what he's doing? But I, I looked at last year's draft again, and I found out that the answer is a resounding no. I have no faith in this front office. And, God, it, everyone knew from the moment that Peterson got fired that it was the least attractive job on the market, including the Texans, because you were going to have no say it was awful. You couldn't get this. Is the team that won a Super Bowl like three years ago, and it's one of the worst jobs on the market because you're tethered to a quarterback. Oh wait, no, you're not tethered to a quarterback. But everything you do, you're going to be the third most important voice in the building, regardless. Because Howie Roseman, I I have no idea how Howie Roseman has stayed on this long. This is a guy that drafted a 27 year old firefighter in the first round. He drafted well. Marcus Smith. Well, I'll tell you why. He drafted, he, has a Super Bowl. he drafted he drafted an injury prone Corey Coleman in the first round. And then he drafted two more of him. Yeah. Basically comes down to the Super Bowl ring. You that win a Super Bowl it, it you win a Super Bowl, it cures a lot of the mistakes you made. Oh, easily. Yeah. You put then, you put together like one ten and one, like four eleven and one or whatever they want this year. Five <laughs> You put you put together a championship team. You buy yourself at least five more years. Oh. I don't I don't make the rules. <laughs> I don't make the rules. But yeah, man, look, we could spend all day on the Eagles. I think we both know it's it's gonna take some time. And it honestly, time might not even help because the guy you got in front in the front office is pretty damn stubborn that he's doing a good job. So. Let, let's talk about some prospects we watched since we last um, we last talked, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, I watched some of the edge players from this year's class. Um, I watched Wyatt Hubert. I watched uh, Pate, uh, sorry, the edge rusher out of Kansas State. I watched um, Peyton Turner, the edge rusher out of Houston. And I watched uh, Jordan Smith, the edge rusher out of UAB. Hubert was a guy that I liked coming into the year, and then I just kind of had my doubts he was going to declare. Got off to a rough start, picked it back up, had a pretty decent senior bowl from what I heard. I know you focused a lot more on his uh, side of the practices than I did. 
But what's going to kill him is he's got short arms. Yeah. I think he's, he only came in at like 30 inch, you know, arms, which is not great at all. Um, and he's raw. He, he doesn't really have a plan of attack at any point is what I found. And, you know, he put up numbers this year, uh, career high in sacks, all of that. I just don't see a team valuing him before like the top 125. And then with the other two, Peyton Turner, listen, I saw the BYU listed as a uh, game listed as his worst game. I love that game. He gave Brady Christensen everything. Got a couple of, you know, got a sack, I think a, a sack and a half, got some ta- you know, TFLs, which was great to see. Um but again, you know, hasn't played a lot of football. Uh, you know, was a four-year guy. Uh, I think he only played about a year and a half. So he's he's a developmental guy. He's he's a bigger version of like a Chris Rumpf. He's in that Shaka Tony where like he's gonna be for the most part of his career just gonna be a rotational pass rusher, and that's fine. You're probably looking at him again in like round four or five. And then I wanted to like Jordan Smith way more than I did. I like him a little bit more than I like Shaka Tony because I think he's got more upside and he can stop the run a little bit better. But man, his, his best, his best opportunity to show it would have been against Miami, who doesn't have a great offensive line. And he got just wiped out that entire game. Sorry about that. But yeah, yeah, those, uh, I, I really like Peyton Turner. He had a, a really good senior bowl. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty dominant up front, you know, had, had several wins against some of those interior linemen at the senior bowl. Didn't actually get a chance to, to tune into his tape, but, uh, definitely looking forward to over the next few months. Uh, Jordan Smith, he's, he's flashed all over the place. Uh, consistency, you know, is going to be a big issue, you know, going against those bigger offensive linemen that can move and stay with them. Uh, like you said, he, he made, he made a flash play or two, uh, against Miami, but overall it wasn't, too much noise, but he is someone else that has some really good bend around the edge and, and can be that speed rusher type guy, situational, rotational guy. So I definitely see that ceiling for him. But yeah, yeah, those are, those, that's a solid list of players for me. Uh, I finished up my Tyler Wallace scouting report late last week. Uh, dude is a baller. Contested catching, uh, you know, show some nuance and run in his route running. Uh, can, can separate a little bit, but the thing I worry about with him, uh, going against those physical corners, he has a tough time, you know, uh, separating because he, he's not uh, a natural speed guy, right? So, you know, that's, that was one of my knocks on him. You know, he makes a ton of t- contested catches, but, uh, just in general, I, d- I don't see a, a, an overall, you know, elite trait with him, which probably will make him go round three, round four. Uh, ultimately in this, this wide receiver classes, there's so many guys that have specializations in like speed or, you know, route running or whatnot. So I think he kind of get lost in the shuffle and, and I think he gets drafted by a contending team and makes an immediate impact. So I got to look at Tylen Wallace and then after the game last night, I was watching Amir Smith Marset. I am putting it out there. He is going to be one of my guys. Uh, probably one of my favorite receivers in this class. Dude has some speed behind him. He he has speed, quickness, suddenness, uh, can 
route is his route running is pretty good too. Is he's improved a lot over the last few years. Uh big thing with him is that he has those crucial drops. He's not consistent at the catch point, uh consistent with uh catching contested passes either. Uh so he's he's probably gonna be one of those guys that take the top off the defense. He is a great returner, a great pump returner and kick returner. Score multiple times on 90 plus kick returns last year. Uh, I think he had a couple in 2018 as well. So he kind of brings that speed aspect to, to this draft. He, I'm worried a little bit about his weight too. He was like 178, uh, this year or last year, plain weight. So it wasn't necessarily, uh, the greatest, you know, in terms of body weight. We know how people feel about Devontae Smith's body weight at this point. So I think he's definitely going to get bigger, but. Uh, in general, I think Amir Smith Marset is is a name that should be talked about more in this class. But like I said, it's so deep that there are so many names that are going to are going to get lost in the shuffle. I think one of, he's going to be one of those guys that do, uh, which is why I think he goes fourth or fifth round uh, in in this draft. But I'm, I was impressed by those two receivers. Uh, I'm taking a look at Jalen Mayfield and Kellamon upcoming this week. Uh, excited for Jalen Mayfield. I know people have kind of varying opinions on him um, in, in terms of his potential and whatnot. He has a ton of potential. Uh, and I, I took a look at a few plays, and, you know, obviously he, he has some power behind him as well, but consistency was one of his biggest issues I've seen a lot of people talk about. So I'm interested again to him. And then Kellamon, of course, we know about him and his overall inconsistencies across the board. So we'll be interesting to see what happens. I just realized I forgot to mention I also watched Ellerson Smith, the defensive end from uh, Northern Iowa, and came away incredibly unimpressed. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, me and you talked about it a little bit. Uh, he had a fantastic uh, senior bowl week, and, you know, sometimes it's all about the development, man. He's he's definitely been training and, and definitely was ready for that moment because, uh, like you said, he, he wasn't flashing too much off the off the screen when you're watching them on tape and i think that's kind of the biggest thing with edge rushers is like we don't expect you to make a play every damn down but give us something to be excited about you know even if it's two three plays a game that that's that's the difference between winning and losing a game in the nfl so that's why i kind of look forward and looking at edge like give me something that pops off film that you you drive a dude back five yards or you absolutely dust to do with a spin move or, or something like that. So give us something, man. I still give have something. 10 edge rushers left on my watch list. I've already hit 20. Jesus. Here are the edges I still have left to watch. I have both Notre Dame edges, Hayes, and I'm not going to attempt that one. Patrick Johnson from Tulane. I saw him uh, in the Houston game. Came away unimpressed with both him and Cam Sample from that one game, but I want to give them both an, an extra chance. Malcolm Coons from, from Buffalo, Teron Jackson from Coastal Carolina, Rashad Weaver from Pittsburgh, um, Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State, Janarius Robinson from uh, Florida State, and Milton Williams from Louisiana Tech. Uh, two of those last three names I really like, Janarius Robinson, obviously you know how I feel about him. Uh, and then what was the name you said before him? Uh, Rashad Weaver. Damn, there was a what was the name after him you said? Janarius Robinson. Jonathan Cooper from yeah, Ohio yeah, State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like him as well. Uh, I think he's probably 
it's going to be dependent on scheme fit. I don't think he's a true four, uh, four, three, uh, down lineman. I think he, he may play some, uh, five technique, maybe three, uh, just cause I, I don't think he has like the, the bend and really the ability to set the edge, but he's, he's a really solid defensive lineman. You know, he's, he has a really, he has a, a couple of nice bull rushes that I saw on film. I watched him before the senior bowl and, and he, has some standout plays, but overall, I don't think he's one of those guys that's going to be a premier pass rusher in the league. So, Yeah, I'm looking at it now. Just in terms of guys I have ranked, I have – Jesus, holy crap, man. I have – I'll tell you, I don't think I've ever had this many guys done this early. Jeez, uh, and now I've lost track. I'm – Probably already pushing 200, and I haven't even mapped out everyone into my proper big board, and I'm at 180 uh, with some guys where I'm just kind of waiting before I rank them. And then on my watch list, Devin, I have 68 names. Damn. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> that is a lot of names. That is a lot of names. There are some guys that I'm really not... like. Here's the thing. I still have on things like interior defensive, uh, offensive line. I've got Ben Cleveland still, Quinn Maynard still, Trey Hill. Uh, I'm not looking forward to breaking down any of the tight ends I have on this board. Uh, and then like wide receiver, I have names like Demonte Coxie, Josh Palmer, Des Fitzpatrick, Austin Watkins, running backs. I have like, uh, Chris Evans, Caleb Huntley, Elijah Mitchell, Ramondre Stevenson. I don't want to mention the quarterbacks I still have to watch. None of them are good. I have Ellinger, Mills, and Zach Thomas. Good luck. Uh, the linebackers, uh, it's going to be an interesting group I still have to watch. The corners I have, there are a couple of good ones. The safeties, there are some good ones. I think you and I should watch Jamar Johnson together. For sure. Anything else He's... you want to touch on before we get on out of here? No, nah, man, I'm just, you know, obviously, you know, it's, it's full-on draft season, but... Uh, don't forget, we still got FCS football, you know, over the next couple of weeks. So uh, I, I'll definitely be tuning into that. Uh, check on some of the guys that I liked over the summer uh, that will be playing in, in these games. You know, uh, a name to watch is Reese Udinsky. He plays for Virginia Military Institute, and he's transferring to Maryland in the fall. So this would be kind of a... And he's going to be one of those like late round guys. He's not going to be someone that's like, you know, highly talked about, but he, he intrigued me, you know, uh, that team was awful around him. <laughs> he made throws that were ridiculous and no one could catch the ball. Uh, but yeah, so Reese Udinsky is someone to watch during these FCS games. I don't know how in the hell I'm going to get VMI. <laughs> how I'm going to watch their games, but yeah, he, he's someone that is, should be, should be interesting. He's 6'4", 225. So big dude, big arm. Uh, like I say, he's playing for Maryland in the fall. Uh, I don't think he is going to win the starting job at Maryland in the fall, but I could be wrong. Maybe he does. We'll see what happens. Obviously they got uh Tua's brother over there and he had an okay season. But we'll see with Udinsky. But he's someone I'm watching um, for FCS. Jame Martin from, um, I can't even think of, uh, North Carolina A&T. That's another name to watch. I think he'll be 
drafted probably mid rounds next year in 2022. Um, and you know, as we get closer, I'll, I'll give y'all a full list of names to watch, but those are a couple of guys that I know for sure that I'm going to be watching. Uh, I think Quinterio, Quinterio Cole as well plays what for a name. State. Yeah, one of my favorite names in in this draft class, but he's not going to be in 2021. I think he's think he's going to be in 2022 as well. That's a, the only bad thing is that a lot of these guys are not going to be able to enter the draft, uh, which sucks. But it is what it is. But excited for that and excited to to talk more prospects over the next couple months. You know, got yeah, some. Man. Great things planned for this show. So it's not so cliche because I've seen it like 600 times already, but it is officially draft season for all 32 teams. And, uh, Devin, if someone wanted to find a podcast where they talked about the draft all year long, is there one that you would, you would recommend? Uh, this is this, this podcast by these two dudes. Um, you know, they're, they, they've been doing it, you know, since last year, 2019, I should say, right? Yeah. Follow, follow 2019. They started, you know, they had a bit of a journey, you know, two guys living in two different countries. So I, I don't know. Sounds pretty. I think that might be us. To me. I think oh, that damn. might be us. Yeah. Damn. That's right. That is us. If you want to keep, if you want to follow the whole process, keep it. Right here. Go ahead. Subscribe. You can follow me on Twitter at MikeH underscore draft. You can follow Devin on Twitter at RealD underscore Jackson. That's right. The show has its own podcast. The show has its own Twitter account. I've already fucked that up. Wonderful job, Mike. Follow the show on Twitter at BigShotsPod. Follow our work on BlueChipScouting.com. And we'll see you again next time.